0: Good morning, and uh, welcome to West Michigan Philanthropy. Uh I am joined today uh, by Teresa Reed, who is a gift planning officer with the Catholic Foundation of West Michigan. Teresa and I are uh, colleagues, and, and we serve together on the uh, West Michigan Planned Giving Group uh, board. Uh, Teresa, you have a fairly long tenure there, or at least longer than I do <laughs> uh, with the board, but uh, you're a... Crucial, uh, part of, of that board. And, um, we are thrilled to have you here today. We are going to talk today about a, a topic, which is, um, I think an important topic for both donors and plan giving professionals. And really it's donor motivation and how to start that giving conversation. It's, um, sometimes I think that people who are new to the development or plan giving profession are a little bit uneasy about how to start that conversation. And I know for you, it's probably second nature for you, Teresa, with all the experience you have had, but um, there is somewhat of a flow to it. And there are um, maybe tips or techniques that can be utilized to make it a little bit easier for the donor and for the, the giving professional
1: plan giving and donor relations. This is my jam. I've been doing it for 15 years. I think I've been on the board of the West Michigan plan giving group for about eight years now. Wow. Um, so it's, this is just something that I love to talk about and kind of help to hopefully demystify it a little bit because plan giving can be so technical. And when we talk about estate planning and all of the acronyms and technical Aspects that you know so well, John. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very grateful to to have you know the resources that we have through Miller Johnson and through this webcast and um and help to kind of bring the donor relations side to the table of how do we have the conversation in a meaningful way that um doesn't intimidate folks. <laughs> it's
0: it, it's so hard. And I think for a plan giving professional, it takes a special person to do that job because. You do have to have an understanding of the technical components of plan giving, but you also have to have those soft skills to be able to work with people, work with people from all walks of life, um, different backgrounds, and have that conversation and put people at ease. Because it can be off-putting when you start throwing around these tax terms and, like you said, all the funny acronyms that we deal with in my world it you know people's eyes can glaze over and then they lose that joy of why they're there in the first place to do something good and to give and to help others so uh it's 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 very hard to find people like yourself and i think that nonprofits um are eager to find those people who have that great mix of skills that can do these these jobs and it it's it's not easy yeah it takes a lot of work it's a, it's a fulfilling and fun job but Plan giving, development, fundraising—it's a hard job. It, it takes a, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of work, sometimes a lot of travel. Um, so there's a lot mm-hmm. to it. What are what are some of the most important factors that you look to when starting a conversation about giving or a legacy uh, for a, a donor?
1: One of the most important things I think is about Starting with the why, not starting with the how someone gives, but really starting with that relationship side. And part of our job in the, you know, on the fundraising side, um, is to really inspire people to motivate them to help to uncover what are they passionate about? What are their values? And I just like to start with that because that really is the most important side for for the purpose that we serve really as a bridge at the nonprofit organizations to be able to help start these conversations. Um, a lot of folks, you know, are not astute when it comes to their estate planning. Maybe they don't even have a will. Maybe they've never met with an attorney. Um, so we can kind of be that bridge at the nonprofit to uncover what they're passionate about in a really approachable way. So I always like to start with that. Don't start, keep it simple. Don't start with all the technical. Start with the why. Tell a story. Engage them in a conversation that gets to their motivations and start to move beyond a transactional relationship. Um, you know, one of the big things about, you know, a plan- and gifts is these are transformational gifts. Mm-hmm. These are gifts of assets. They are not disposable income gifts. So it is a little bit of a journey to bring the, the donor along and kind of understanding that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the folks who donate, um, through a legacy gift may not be the same folks who have the capacity to give a major gift in okay. their lifetime. Okay. Um, so. There is a little bit of education, I think, that comes along with that.
0: Absolutely. I, I, it's interesting that, uh, that point of keeping it simple and, and the why. And when I advise clients, uh, who are starting a plan giving program or starting a nonprofit, I always start with that, the mission, the values, because that's why people give. And if you as a nonprofit professional, can articulate the mission of the organization, that is really the most important step in the process. And uh I've seen it from from your shoes. I've worked in the Plan Giving World, I've seen it from the advisor role, that it's the values that bring the people to the organization. And people want to give, and there's been studies done on this, uh, that people give to organizations that share those values. So, uh very important and and that's where the donor's heart is, that's where the client's heart is. You work your whole life, you build these assets, you you build uh your legacy and you want to leave it to an organization that is going to honor what what you believe in and what you've worked for all of your life. And I've seen this at conferences that I've attended um uh, when I meet development Professionals they're intimidated uh, by the idea of plan giving they they may be a vice president they may lead their organization's development and plan giving uh, efforts but really not have a lot of background may not feel comfortable with the plan giving topics. Um, how important is it for for development professionals um, to know the ins and outs of the the tax laws, the estate planning laws the different types of plan giving vehicles?
1: You know, I think it's important to know, to be able to know the impact that those different vehicles can make so that you can at least inspire donors to be thinking about how to make the greatest impact based on their assets, their current, you know, position. You have to really be a good listener, mm-hmm. Um one of the things I, that a lot of fundraisers think, you know, and why I think planned giving often kind of falls to the bottom of the to-do list because it's not impacting the, you know, annual revenue goals that you have to meet yeah. for the now. But, um, you know, the beautiful thing is that these things are not in competition that donors that leave get legacy gifts actually all also increase their annual support by mm-hmm. nearly 80%. Mm-hmm. And many studies have been done on that, that that is true. So I think sometimes as on the fundraising side, we think, no, I've got to focus on my annual revenue goals and I've got to focus on, um, you know, all of these other things and plan giving starts to kind of fall to the bottom of the to-do list. But um, in reality, these things complement each other very well. And, um, and the sooner that, you know, we can, uh, make plan giving a priority for our charities, um, the better. I mean, it is, it is very, very critical to the future of our organizations and, um, and a very unique time that we are in, in our history, um, in particular. I mean, as the, Mm -hmm. as the baby boomer generation is aging, um, it's predicted that I think 11 Point nine trillion dollars will come to charities in the next um 20 or so years. Um, and that's just to charities. So um the consistency, the relationship building um is first and foremost. And we're actually doing a little exercise at the Catholic Foundation to kind of bring our a community through a values exercise that helps them to uncover what are their values and passions and how do they want to make an impact in their philanthropy and to really make that part of their planning. So mm-hmm. um, we've developed an exercise that we walk folks through that helps them kind of uncover that for themselves you know based on their own journey, their own history, um, maybe their own life's obstacles and how they want to then pay that forward to others um, mm-hmm. in the most meaningful way for them that's very, personal. Um mm. this is much more about the timing for them than it is about the charity's timing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um you know, we might have a big capital campaign or a big effort happening, but um what you really want to listen for is um significant life changes for the individual mm-hmm. that would be the right timing for them to be thinking about this. Are they approaching retirement? are their kids graduating from college? are they selling a home um you know listening for things like that um mm-hmm. I think is you know really important and being a good listener
0: it's I amazing think, what what can be it's amazing sorry it, what can be uncovered in those conversations and donors tend to want to share their story their life story and I think if you can just listen and patience whether it's Listening to the story or patience in in seeing the gift develop because you're right it's not gonna necessarily happen right away sometimes it can, but uh it it's uh a timing issue, and sometimes it depends on the market as well if the, if the market is up and you see appreciated assets, you'll see more planned gifts if it's down, you might not see uh as many planned gifts so uh not only. The timing of the the life of of the uh, donor, but also market conditions and so forth, and career where they are, as you mentioned, retirement is another um, uh, time frame. and and I, I do feel for plan giving professionals because there is that push so often by uh, boards, management, within the nonprofit organizations for that operating revenue. And um, they feel like, oh, we can't invest in plan giving because it's too far down the road. Well, if you start it, you will see that the, the, the life expectancy, and this sounds a little, maybe a little bit morbid, but the life expectancy of a lot of those plan giving donors, it may not be too far into the future. So if you're building a program and you start it, it starts to pay dividends sooner than you, you may think. And then once it's up and running, it's kind of a consistent flow of revenue that complements the outright gifts or maybe the major gifts.
1: can start to become that reliable source of revenue. Uh, and these are transformational gifts. They are the largest <laughs> gifts that someone will likely make. So um, because they are not based on that disposable income, but they are based on those assets. And so um once you start to get a program up and running and um it can it can pay off you know quicker than than folks might think. And we're really fortunate here in West Michigan um to have such a philanthropic community. This is the second most philanthropic city in the US next to Salt Lake City, Utah. And it is in large part because of the strong faith community and generations of families who have given back to Grand Rapids through their legacy giving that have really made this city what it is today. And that now because of that, we have such an abundance of resources like Miller Johnson and, you know, that's why I originally got involved with the West Michigan plan giving group because, um, you know, I was doing major gifts and got assigned planned giving as, you know, kind of 10% of my role and and didn't have a lot of experience in it and thought, oh, I'll jump in to get involved with this local group um, because at least I know that if I don't know the answer to a very technical question, I know who to call. I know yeah. who to refer donors to. I know that there's a wealth of resources um, with you and Miller Johnson and with you know all of the financial planning advisors that we have in this community. Um, I think it's really set us up well to leverage our networks that we have here um, for the greatest impact and to help, like I said, be that bridge to to the donor um, between the professional side and the and the charity side.
0: It's it's interesting and it could be a delicate dance when working with advisors too as a nonprofit professional because sometimes the nonprofit professional will know more about some of these plan-giving techniques than perhaps even the attorney or the CPAs. Now, certainly there are plenty of of qualified professionals out there that are well-skilled and and versed in these different vehicles, but not every attorney deals with these types of vehicles day in and day out. So to the extent the plan-giving professional can educate both the donor and perhaps even the advisor – um, that that is helpful, and if the advisor has to bring in somebody who who is a little bit more well versed in in some of these more complex vehicles they certainly they certainly can but um that that 's something that I think that can be a benefit if you can collaborate and help educate advisors donors about these vehicles and then let let the professionals drill down and 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 deal with all the technical issues, drafting and so forth, to the extent there needs to be uh tax planning and so forth done. Um, but if, if you can communicate as a plan-giving professional how these different types of vehicles work and when they might be applicable. And part of that, as you pointed out, Teresa, is through the listing process and being able to identify what might work in this given situation with this donor. And you can listen for things like, I have stock with a very low cost basis, or uh, I have a large IRA, uh, different types of things that they will communicate. I own um, rental property, or I'm looking to simplify my portfolio, or I have a concentrated stock portfolio. All these things come out in these conversations, and they're things that the professional can take notes and, and write down that information. What's the fair market value? What's the cost basis? What's the holding period of these assets? And then when working with the advisor, um, the illustrations that you can prepare as a plan giving professional with the different, uh, um, software that's available out there, you know, the crescendo software, the PG calc software, that's yep. tremendous information you can provide to an advisor. That has the the income tax deduction that would be available, how that life income will be taxed, life expectancy calculations, all sorts of information that really can help, even though you're you're not an advisor and you're not crossing over into that line, you certainly can help facilitate that gift and educate everyone in, in your role as that plan giving professional one thing which is Tough and I see this with my clients and and they put it off they put off estate planning because they don't want to think about their passing they don't want to think about um, what might happen to their loved ones or uh, and, and kind of that feeling of loss of control it's it's a difficult conversation uh, many times to bring up end of life planning legacy planning um, how do you start that in a way that uh doesn't make the donor feel uncomfortable or uh, awkward uh when when sitting down and trying to gently broach that topic.
1: It's getting back to their story, letting them tell their story, those passions and values and uncovering those. Talking about their family is really important here too, so I like to talk about that because it can be a sensitive thing, but starting to learn about, you know, what, what is the relationships within their family and, and trying to approach it as to that, you know, this can be a burden on families if you don't have your plans in order. Mm-hmm. Um, have you thought about, um, you know, how you want to be remembered? Um, and, and do you have plans in place and thinking about, of those who are the, you know, trustees and executors of, of the will and that that can, can be a burden on a family member if they don't know the intentions of their loved one. Um, and so it is, you know, while it's tough sometimes to have that conversation, it's so, so important. Um, and I think we at the charities can, um, help to invite the family members to be a part of that. Many individuals do not have up-to-date estate plans. Yeah. Um, I think it's like 60% of Americans that do not have an up-to-date will. Yeah. Um, and folks might only update their will once or twice in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of, you know, continuing with that really authentic relationship building over time is mm-hmm. so important so that the charity is top of mind when it comes. So, you know, when we think about some of the plan giving marketing techniques and things that we use um, in nonprofits, you know, those mailers that go out are kind of just really about the loyalty and consistency. Um, and just, you know, that flyer, might land at just the right time when oh. somebody was saying you know what i i am ready to make an update um and and you're hoping that that's going to you know that's what's going to happen with that kind of consistent relationship building
0: that material is is so important and i think you're right it's it you never know when it might land in the right spot at the right time um, and I, I receive as a, as an advisor, I receive a lot of materials from nonprofits with, uh, the bequest language, the legal name of, of the organization, the EIN number, different types of things. But there's some great material out there, uh, that talks about a lot of these planned gifts and areas where apart from a will or a trust, even things like beneficiary designations. And, and when I sit down with my clients, I always look to the IRAs. Uh, traditional IRAs and a lot of times clients will have their children named as the beneficiary and then they'll have a bequest a charitable bequest in their will or trust and I always encourage them give that IRA assets to charity um, right. the income in respect of a decedent will be taxed to the individual beneficiary, the child, they're going to have to pay ordinary income tax on that. Charity doesn't pay that. And so it's something very simple like that, where whether you're an attorney or a plan giving professional, if you can just help guide the client and the donor with things like that. And sometimes it's, it's simple. It may be second nature to us, but uh, most people don't they're not aware of those types of things and you could really generate a lot of revenue for your organization through those IRA gifts. We, we've talked about the, uh, the qualified charitable distributions. Uh, what you know, right. traditionally has been referred to the IRA rollover legislation, great opportunities there mm-hmm. for charitable gifts. So uh, a lot of things can be done for life insurance, even TOD accounts, um, uh, beneficiary designations that are simple maybe what we could call low-hanging fruit for plan-giving professionals that are not yep. overly complex. It's not going to make the donor's eyes roll over when you start talking about it. And they're grateful. They're grateful because you're going to do them a service. Help save yeah. them some tax yeah. dollars and help uh, help uh them make a great charitable gift.
1: Save tax dollars and save them, too, in the cost of updating a will. You know, um sometimes that's a barrier for folks folks um mm-hmm. just knowing that oh we've got to go do that it's an extra step i'm not ready for that but there's these other you know sort of low hanging fruit easy ways to you know show an illustration of what that means and the impact um that that can make for the charity but also saving on 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 tax for your heirs reducing your taxable income um as a whole and um we you know we see lots of aha's with people going oh wow i had, i had never Thought about doing it that way. That makes perfect sense. Um, and that's such a good way to start, um, kind of leading into a deeper yeah. plan giving conversation because that's an easy one to get started that has, you know, implications for our annual revenue goals. So, um, I, I do feel like that's, that's such a, a great place to start. And, um, as we get into the fall, you know, fundraising season, that's yeah. a really, A good one for nonprofits to spotlight the impact of the IRA, uh, rollovers and, um, and those qualified charitable
0: distributions. So you had mentioned, you know, the generation, the baby boom generation, the transfer of wealth. Many times we see this because we see the asset information for clients coming in. The IRA is, is typically other, maybe than the house, the biggest asset that the client donor owns. And so, uh you know, I I've seen numbers, you know, four trillion dollars locked up in traditional IRAs, 401ks. So that's a lot of money and uh a lot of tax liability there. And and donors, yeah. taxpayers, they don't like paying that required minimum distribution. Uh, if you can make an outright qualified charitable distribution to a qualified charity, you could uh it satisfies that RMD, it's not included in income. Make a great outright gift to charity. There's a hundred thousand dollar cap per year. You have to be seventy and a half years or older to do this, but um a really popular technique that uh professionals can use and and help people uh make make gifts. Um it's interesting, you know, getting in front of the donors, providing that education. I've seen also in seminars, um, you have the written materials that you send out, but even in seminars where you go and you Give a presentation as a nonprofit professional. You'll see light bulbs going off in the audience when they hear of a certain thing. Oh, we have this asset. We could do this. So a lot of times it's just getting the information out there and, um, donors will go to the seminar, you know, maybe they'll get a, a nice lunch or, uh, they don't have to pay for that education. And they receive the information and they could take that information and then go to their professionals and implement uh, the gift. So great opportunity there. Just providing that education, providing the illustrations, getting the information out in front of the donor uh, really can help facilitate a lot of these gifts. So.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. At the Catholic Foundation, we work with our own group of kind of um, advisors that help to to do workshops at parishes, and that can be really effective, you know, after mass um, to have, you know, a quick kind of lunch and learn opportunity where you invite folks in a very approachable, accessible setting to come and listen and hear and, you know, learn about end-of-life planning at the same time of thinking about your estate planning and you start to kind of introduce the idea of, um, you know, have you considered, uh, giving back to your church as part of your legacy? You know, we think about all of these important life events from, you know, throughout our life, our marriage at, you know, the baptism of our children, um, and, you know, this journey that we take and, um, and then we get to the end of life and it's just, we we don't really think about it in the same way. So um, that's one thing that we've been doing is working with our, our group of, of local advisors to help host estate planning workshops at parishes um, throughout Grand Rapids and um, introducing the topic there in, in a really um, meaningful way and putting a face to a name um, with some of the professionals in our community as well to help. Um again, be that bridge. Yeah.
0: It's uh, you know, Grand Rapids and, and West Michigan is interesting. There's a a pretty strong Catholic uh presence in West Michigan. It's a little quieter. You you always hear of uh you know my my colleagues uh, the, the the Dutch Reformed uh, history and, and Calvinist history, but there's a strong uh Catholic presence in West Michigan. Um, a lot of great schools, great parishes. What sort of uh, things are happening at the Catholic Foundation of West Michigan now um, that is ongoing that that uh, people watching may may want to be aware of right now?
1: It's an exciting time at the Catholic Foundation of West Michigan. I am the third employee um, <laughs> hired um, in our history, so um, oh. you know, pretty incredible incredible 28 year history of the Catholic Foundation of West Michigan. We are a 501c3 um right here in Grand Rapids and we um really serve to support the 80 or more parishes and 30 or so schools throughout the Diocese of Grand Rapids um through endowment funds um to really support the the Catholic Church in perpetuity. Um, and so this is just a, a thrilling time to be on board as the first gift planning officer in the history of the foundation. Um, we just ended our, our fiscal year, June 30th, and we were thrilled um, to have reached over $3 million in, in grant making this past year. Um, so that that is a, our our most significant grant making year that we've had, and um, we're seeing tremendous growth there. Um one of my big focuses is, uh, launching a, a new legacy society. Um, right. we're in the early phases of that right now. The Light of Christ Legacy Society is, is what we're calling it and really inviting, uh, folks throughout our entire community. Um, anyone that has any type of planned gift for their church or Catholic school to be invited to be a part of something that is collaborative. That is recognizing the generosity of our community um, and hopefully, you know, helping to inspire others to think about that way of giving back. So um we're we're rolling that out sort of over the next year and and hoping to have a, a celebratory way to recognize everyone at a mass um in 2024, um, Fantastic. anyone who becomes a part of that.
0: A lot of times clients who want to support Catholic schools, a particular school at a parish in Grand Rapids will work through the Catholic Foundation of West Michigan or will make that donation through the Catholic Foundation. Uh, I imagine you see that quite a bit where uh and, and because I don't think the schools themselves or the parish really um have the infrastructure or resources available for that type of gift. Is that correct? I I see clients going exactly. through the foundation for those gifts.
1: Exactly. That is that is the purpose we serve. We sort of say we're an extension of their staff. We know that the, the individual's affinities is with the schools and the parishes that they have been a part of, that they've grown up at, that their kids have been a part of. We're here at the foundation to help facilitate those gifts in the most impactful way through our endowment that is invested in the most responsible way. Uh, we know that folks who give through the foundation, um, that their dollars are going to make the greatest impact possible for their church and parish and they can direct let that you know through an endowment fund here at the foundation also donor advised funds um are a, a growing popular way for folks to give back and support a variety of catholic ministries throughout uh our region.
0: Well that's great. That's a great idea. That's fantastic. It that gives them a little uh the 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 opportunity to make the gift, get the deduction and then Make those grant recommendations for the various Catholic organizations under your umbrella there.
1: I was going to mention John, our Catholic Business Leaders Forum, which may be of interest too, to, to your audience. We're bringing those back. We, you know, we brought it, we had two last year. We had a pause during COVID. We're thrilled to be back with those events this year as well. Three of them coming up October, December and February of um, next year. So. So um, we'll have a, a announcements coming out soon with the speakers, but wanted to mention that too, because that's more of a business-oriented forum that really highlights Catholic values in the workplace. Um, and we've had some really outstanding speakers um, present there, their, you know, a morning breakfast session here at the diocese building, um, 7:30 in the morning, and you come and um, enjoy that and networking and, and business leadership with, um, with the Catholic values, um, you know, spotlight. So
0: what type of topics are discussed uh, by the speakers at, at those uh, business forums?
1: A lot of it is really focused around their journey and how they have instilled Catholic values throughout their career. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe typically talking about a specific area of, um, of their career or a business where that has has made an impact for them personally. So more about their personal journey um, mm-hmm. and how to incorporate those values in the workplace.
0: We see a lot. Uh, there's a lot of discussion, a lot of case law, um, a lot of seminars now about succession planning and charitable giving with business interests and making gifts either prior or uh, post uh sale transaction um and we see that as you know in Grand Rapids in West Michigan it is a uh, just a hotbed of uh entrepreneurial spirit in a lot of these great family owned companies that uh may have a liquidation event or maybe selling after many generations of being in business and we see a lot of uh, gifts uh, around that time and you mentioned the donor advised fund that you're you're working on building that program there are some great opportunities there with donor advised funds and some of those uh, uh, business interest gifts so uh, a tremendous opportunity that we're seeing more and more of that and we get questions all of the time uh, from business owner clients who are looking to make, Gifts of business interest and those can be a little bit more thorny and, and complex. Sometimes you, you deal with some tough tax issues, but certainly not something that, uh, is, is, uh, impossible or, or cannot be done effectively and benefit organizations such as your, yours. It's been very informative. I think that, um, it's, it's not an easy thing to do to sit down and and many times in your uh shoes you're meeting with someone maybe for the first time uh maybe after many years of knowing this person but not having this conversation about legacy planning or planned gifts or planning through their estate so it's a a great service you're providing to the Catholic Foundation of West Michigan and and to uh donors throughout West Michigan having these conversations i think uh Clients and donors appreciate it. And, and I think that that trust they have in individuals such as yourself, Teresa, and that relationship plays an important role in the facilitation of these gifts. Uh, we as advisors, unfortunately, we don't get to see our clients as much as maybe you might see your donors. And so you are able to really take in a lot of information. And bring that to the table when sitting down with advisors and donors so it's a it's great to collaborate with plan giving officers and and seeing these gifts happen and such wonderful uh benefits to all of us as as you pointed out earlier uh our community we see it we all benefit from it uh all of this tremendous philanthropy uh we have this great quality of life in West Michigan because of all these generous folks uh we we benefit from a lot of things that i think communities of our size don't have when you look at the uh the schools the healthcare services we have the arts the culture uh it is a rich cultural environment uh here in west michigan and that is due in large part to, to the generosity of all of these great people uh that that uh, surround us and give back to this community yeah, Great opportunity to
1: absolutely. Here. Thank you, John, too. I mean, so grateful for you coming up with the idea to do this West Michigan philanthropy webcast to really spotlight, you know, these different topics and, um, to bring attention to, to the charities here and the work that we're doing. Um, this is just something I'm so passionate about and, mm-hmm. um, you know, really feel like you know, having these conversations with individuals is some of the most meaningful conversations you will ever have. Yeah. And it's a privilege to be a part of it and to help to inspire folks um, to think a little bit differently about it. So I hope that we gave people a few nuggets of insight <laughs> here that they can um, take into their charity work um, as well.
0: Well, thank you for your time and your leadership. You You are kind of a Uh, the anchor of our our West Michigan plan giving chapter. We appreciate all you do and and all you do for the Catholic foundation of West Michigan. So thank you, Teresa. We, We enjoyed having you here today.